Assalamualaikum and welcome to MaxCast. My name is Sayed Raza. I am your host in Toronto, Canada. And today on the podcast, we have Hassan Munir. He calls himself the professor of Islamic history. He aspires to make knowledge of Islamic history more accessible to the general public. And for the past six years, Hassan has been sharing Islamic knowledge through blogs, op-eds, presentations, guided tours, exhibits, and social media to the extent that in 2017, he was recognized by Heritage Toronto as one of the city's emerging historians. He is a public relations manager and research fellow at Yaqeen Institute of Islamic Research and has experience in journalism and public relations. Without any further ado, Hassan Munir. Walaikum salam, Sayyid. I'm doing well, alhamdulillah. Thank you so much uh, for having me in this conversation. I'm really excited. I, I, I'm really excited as well. You can probably hear it in my voice. I have a, a bunch of things to ask you, but I wanted to ask you first off, professor of Islamic history. I think you are possibly the first person to have this title. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about this title and how this came to be? Um, I was just talking to a friend very um, randomly. This was a few years ago now, um, you know, just having a conversation about what friends talk about. And um, he said, you know, I think uh, we should call you the professor of Islamic history because you're not actually a professor, um, but you act like one, right? You're in the fake it till you make it kind of stage uh, in the long journey of academia. So he said, you know, but you you kind of give up that vibe. So why not, um, let's call you the professor of Islamic history until we can call you something else. <laughs> well, mashallah, man. I mean, I will say we all need professors and people that are, are learned at a very high level, but sometimes you do need somebody who can distill it for you in a way that makes perfect sense. So that's the main reason uh, I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, I became uh, first aware of you through Instagram. I was following you for a few months, actually, and I was like, wow, uh, for me, it was about reconciling my, my Canadian identity. I moved here from Houston, Texas, and looking at your page, not only was it a lot of really good stuff about the about Muslims in North America, but also in Canada, and I learned about uh, a lot of Canadian stuff, and I was, I was really happy to hear that, but let's kind of start off from the top. I'd love to know your journey a little bit. How did you get involved with history? Uh, was it something that you've always aspired for or developed over time? Tell me a little bit. You know, it's always uh, an interesting question, and you would think that as someone who's in the field of history, I would know by now, like, where to mark the starting point uh, of any particular story, but um, it's not the case. It's always a challenge, and that includes my own. Like, at what point did I really, really start um, to, you know, be serious about pursuing this as a field? I know I had an interest for a long time. Like, I can remember as early as like third grade or fourth grade, just being like, you know, learning about like the pioneers and the Canadian education system here coming up um, and, and learning about medieval times. And, and then I remember a particular moment in sixth grade where in the social studies uh, textbook, there was one paragraph about Muslims in Spain. And like, uh, I think I was like, you know, we have those desk buddies and everyone. I was just like annoying the person sitting beside me, uh, pointing out that, hey, like, you know, Muslims were in Spain, like, you know, a few hundred for a few hundred years. And uh, look, it says so in the textbook. But one paragraph. Right. So um, really, for me, I think, uh, you know, on a more serious note, like in retrospect, growing up in this kind of post 9-11 um, environment, for lack of a better term, but I think that illustrates that era well um, in the 2000s. It was always um, a very uh, interesting galaxy of questions like kind of going around in my mind. Like, you know, you see the uh, 
you know, portrayal of Islam in the media, and then you see something in the mosque, and then you see um, how your parents uh, teach you and what they themselves practice at home. And there's so many different Islams, right, in your mind. Um, and sometimes they don't reconcile very well. So I, I did have these questions, like, why is um, the Muslim world or, or many of the Muslim majority countries, like, why are they in this kind of um, state where they're not as, um, uh, you know, forward thinking, let's say, uh, generally, um, as uh, other parts of the world. And, and looking back at it now, um, or, or saying it now, is, is kind of like, okay, this is not an appropriate question to ask in the first place, right? Because there's a history of colonialism and, and, and very complicated, you know, backstory. Um, but at the time, I was very young, and I think young people have these questions in their minds. And so for me, um, history became um, this kind of external reference point, right? You love reading stories, and you start to realize that um, there are certain types of stories that are prevalent in the time and in the place that you live. But at the same time, there's many other stories in human history. There's so many cultures. Um, there's so many people who did so many different things. And um, that's how I really started to get into um, stories, I would say, before history in the past, right? And uh, starting especially with the story of the Prophet wasallam. So what became the kind of... Um, uh, you know, the, you know. So ultimately, like I said, you know, trying to navigate through these competing kind of um, visions of Islam. Um, one thing that was clear was that obviously no one could be a better Muslim than the Prophet of Islam, right? So um, ultimately, he and his life and what he did would define um, what Islam is and what Islamic uh, societies are supposed to look like. So that's what I turned to when I started studying the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and then that I think kind of inculcated, and this is in my early teenage years, it, start, it started to kind of inculcate like the, you know, like when you're watching like a, like a, a Netflix series or something like that. And um, sometimes the show isn't even that um, good, although the, the life of the Prophet Wasallam was incredible. But I'm saying like sometimes the show or something that you're watching isn't even good. But when the new season comes out, they're still like, oh, like I got to know like how this thing ends. Like we got to keep this going somehow. So you start watching that too. Right. And that's how you get through, like, I don't know, 500 episodes of Earth of World or something like that. Right. But um, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's basically that's basically like how uh, I think um, going from a natural curiosity at a young age to a more serious uh, search for answers and trying to figure out, like me as a Muslim, uh, what am I supposed to be doing? What is my identity? What is my story? What's the larger story that I'm part of? Because I, I, I got kind of. I guess, suspicious of a lot of the stories that were told both within the Muslim community um, and not just told like, you know, verbally, but the way people behave, right? Mm -hmm. And so I turned back to the original story to see what is Islam supposed to be like. And that's how it started. That's, that's beautiful, mashallah. What do you think it is in your journey that, you know, in your teens having this interest and this passion to learn about something and, and making it more into of a, like a non-traditional traditional career, like when did that switch happen in your head? Uh, I would love to kind of know you're like, oh, wow, I, I might want to do this full time. Uh, give me an idea of when that kind of started peeking into your brain. Uh, it's, it's a work in progress still, to be honest, right? Um, and I think that's the, the story with most careers. I mean, we, we know about like, you know, career changes at different stages in life and um, people's interests change, et cetera. 
Um, I think uh, really I was in uh, maybe second or third year of university, right? So I had originally gone into university um, at York University in Toronto studying uh, communication studies, right? Um, and uh, I had a broad range of interests. So I was in communication studies. Um, I was working uh, as an editor at the student newspaper. So I was kind of like, you know, dabbling in journalism a little bit. I was taking like marketing courses and um, I was trying to do a lot of sports journalism. I was really trying to find my way, which is, I think, the story of a lot of people at that age um, who haven't opted for a career um, where a lot of the guidelines are set for you, right? Right. Uh, this was sort of like a okay, do whatever you want kind of situation, but you're also responsible and you're also, um, you know, uh, re required to make the best of the opportunity that you have at your disposal, which is what my parents told me, by the way. Um, and alhamdulillah. And um, yeah, really, I think it was the second or third year of university. Um, and the way it came about, to be honest, was having access to uh, university resources, um, not, you know, classes were part of it. So I'm really grateful for a few courses that I took at York University. Um, and there's certain challenges, of course, in studying Islam through academia. Maybe you can touch on those later, etc. But um, really uh, having access to resources in general and then having access to so many young people also trying to find their way and having kind of um, respectful, fruitful conversations with others and people of many different understandings. And then more important than anything, spending a lot of time in the library, right? Like a lot of time in the library, um, kind of sleeping there, uh, eating there, even though that's not allowed, but um, there sometimes. And just, just going through books and trying to learn about Islam and different cultures and stuff like that. And then, at, you know, at some point, I think around my third year of university, I started to have this realization that not necessarily that I wanted to pursue this as a career, um, but that I had to make some kind of serious organized effort to get this information out to the world, right? Like there were like these dusty textbooks that you would open, right? That nobody is ever going to open apart from a few history students. But when I read that stuff, I'm like, everybody enjoys a story. And this is a story that people would, you know, find inspiration in, that they would find, um, you know, role models in, that they would find lessons in that we can all apply in our lives. Um, and this stuff needs to get out there. So that's when I started to become serious about it. And then really after graduation, after I got into the humanitarian field and started working with Islamic Relief and other organizations, um, that I that I decided that um, I was going to pursue it um, sort of as a career as well. And I started to um, pursue my master's, uh, which is what I'm still doing. Marshall, okay, so I have a question for you. So once you started, you know, your first steps of learning more about it, you're in university, it's not even prescribed. It's it's your own need to learn that is driving you. And you start learning those things. You start sharing those things. What were those first few interactions where you learned something you shared? Did you find like people were very positive and were like, well, thank you for sharing that. I didn't know about it. Or what was that like? Um, so, you know, that's 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 sort of a mixed um, a mixed reaction, of course. So um, so here's the thing, like history and, and much of academia is uh, it operates in sort of like the ivory tower, right? Um, oh. And historians are often speaking to other historians and history students and um, other experts, basically, right? Specialists in that field. Um, oh. And so this, uh, you know, became both a great opportunity and a real challenge for me very early on that I was trying to bring almost like two worlds together, 
um, and, and translate academic knowledge and distill academic knowledge so that non-specialists and the general public could kind of um, you know, comfortably consume it without having to like go get a history degree. Just you know, as part of your daily life, you're slowly picking up on these uh, pieces of information, and you're building your general understanding of Islamic history. Um, so, you know, the the first uh, part of that was was great in the sense that I started a blog. My blog is called I History. Um, I started that when I was uh, I think 18. Yeah, in my first year of university. Um, and just started like things I would read and uh, I would just kind of, you know, put it on the internet. It's like, hopefully people will kind of come across this. I started a Facebook page to promote the blog and slowly, uh, you know, I, I did a little bit of push marketing and, and it's, it started to get some attention and people were always, um, uh, you know, generally very much amazed by uh, what they were reading because there's, there's certain kind of understandings generally of what Islamic history is. Like, you know, the life of the Prophet Wasallam. Um, and then for many people, it stops there. And if uh, people have, uh, you know, really gone into it, then they might know like a few Muslim empires, uh, the story of people like Salahuddin Ayyubi and, and stuff like that. But it really doesn't go like, too far. Um, so when I when I started uh, blogging about things like, you know, there was a like a like a Chinese prisoner of war in the city of Kufa in Iraq in like the seventh century, and like what? How did he describe the Muslims? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, what were the early Muslim scientists? Like we always talk about scientific achievements, but you find these fascinating kind of things like um, they were researching why do humans laugh, right? Why does ice float on water? Like things we just don't think about today because we know when we take them for granted, but there's this incredible kind of conversations and all of these records. So there was so much in history, culturally, especially like cultural history. Um, that people were really like taken by that. Um, and then I started getting contacted by like other blogs and sites like that, um, asking if they could republish articles, if I could write for them. And I took advantage of a lot of those opportunities. Um, and then on the flip side of that, and this was a major challenge that I faced um, at that point was that I would, you know, I remember distinctly, I had a professor as a friend on Facebook um, and I remember scrolling by and uh, just seeing like my article from my blog and, and you know when you see it you stop and um, you're like who, who shared this so the professor had shared this and, and I'm like wow this is so exciting um, and then I, I look at it again and there's like a caption like a one-liner on it and he had said something to the effect of like you know I can't believe people write this nonsense right and this was something like uh, this is a person I had a huge amount of respect for, and I still do, right? And I still work with him in some capacity, although I've never told him this. I've never told anyone wow. his name, right? But um, so so that was the challenge. Like I've had a lot of those instances where, where people feel the tension a little bit, especially within academia, because obviously yeah. when you're presenting to the general public, I, I mean, you know, I'm not writing another 300 page book. I'm trying to take like five 300 page books and fit them into one Instagram post. There's obviously going to be nuances and details and like, you know, thousands of footnotes that I won't be able to include in like an Instagram post. So that's attention sometimes, but generally for the general public, I think um, uh, they, they received it very well from the beginning and, and, uh, and they were very supportive, um, which is something I'm really appreciative of. And, and that's what's kept me going. And did you do that on purpose is go where the general public is, go to, yes, blog and social media, not necessarily go ahead and just, you know, write articles for, let's say, you know, those white towers to review and maybe get published one day, you, you kind of try to go right to the the people. Was that intentional or was that the only things that were kind of at your, at your fingertips? 
Uh, no, that was very intentional, right? Because the idea is to generate interest um, in history in general among the people. Because again, like growing up, what's the, the history that we're taught in, in Canada and in many other places around the world is a very nationalistic frame to it, right? Like it's yeah. almost like, uh, I mean, without going too much into it, but it's like the purpose of teaching children history is to make them love their country. And once we feel like they love their country enough, uh, okay, we're good, you know? Um, and then they can decide if they want to go into like university and study history there or something like that. But in the public school system, so that's what people come up with. You you hear about like heroic achievements. Uh, you hear about, uh, you know, uh, war efforts. You hear about nation building, how the country was built with pioneers and all of these things. Um, and then, uh, you know, it, it really like uh, people don't see themselves in that history and people just don't, you know, find it interesting um, because it's, what relevance uh, does it often have to their day-to-day -day lives, right? Which is why I love to talk to people about like the history of coffee. Like I love starting there because that's like something that's part of many people's lives, right? Or, or food history, by the way, which is the fastest growing subfield of history. And I think particularly for this reason, people like those interesting kind of cultural tidbits. Um, and, and so I was very purposely like, um, and, and I, and I, I don't, I'm not ashamed of saying this, you know, like when you're trying to make your field more accessible, yes, I was writing clickbaity stuff, like, you know, and making like clickbaity, um, kind of, uh, headlines and stuff like that. Like I was trying to get them in, just get them reading, um, and then hopefully generate some interest so they could do further learning. And I've had a lot of that where people read a, um, you know, they read an article and they're like, they say two things. I heard about this for the first time where can I learn more? And then I can guide them to like those resources, right? So yeah, I have, a, I have a lot more uh, questions about exactly that, some of the content, but I wanted to ask you this as a, a little bit of a change is, I know you were in university when you really started getting interested in this. What did you go to university for? And how was it when your parents were like, wait, are you trying to do this for a living? Like, is, you know, how, how was that? Give me an idea. I'd love to know. Yeah, so uh, even before before history, I had that conversation with my parents because I was graduating from high school and I said, I want to study communication studies at York University, right? And they were, you know, my parents have, have always been um, very sort of accommodating and encouraging uh, in general of things like seeking knowledge. And, um, and I always had that inclination and I think they kind of, that itself makes them a bit comfortable, right? um when i come to them with a decision because they they have some idea that okay this guy's probably thought it through at least a little bit um but what they told me uh, when i went to my parents to tell them about communication studies is that um look like they were like you know this is this is a career that we don't understand right and i have to think about what they were really trying to say like are you trying to dissuade me right what's going on they're like this is a career that we ourselves don't really understand if you feel that this is something that's right for you or something you want to pursue, um, then you should go for it. But then you are, you know, make sure that you don't forget that you have these um, responsibilities uh, towards your, your family, your existing family and the family that you'll one day start. You have responsibilities towards your community, right? You have to become financially stable. Like they were kind of... Uh, you know, and I really appreciate their approach that they took was that they were teaching me how to think rather than what to think, right? And we say this often, but I really appreciate that my parents actually did it. Um, and it, it really did make me think about a lot of things. Uh, they weren't discouraging per se in any way. 
um, which may not be everyone's experience, right? Um, and if anyone's listening and, and uh, if you do face some kind of discouragement, um, just, just keep in mind that, uh, and, and obviously there's so many factors and so many different situations that I don't want to offer like the blanket solution or like this is the go-to thing, but like, um, you know, there's a saying that build it and they will come, right? There, there's always uh, a lot of uh, people who may have doubts, who may not understand what they're trying to do as well as you do, right? And all of these things, but that just means that um, like I, in my case, have to work that much harder to show them the benefit of this, right? I have made something, I made a decision and then I worked really, really hard uh, to, you know, uh, get to a point where now they're like, okay, like he's, he's done something for himself and it's benefiting others as well. And, and he's going somewhere, right? So they're very comfortable now. So, um, and, and obviously in, in every situation, we, we ask for Allah's help and guidance. Um, but yeah, and then uh, going into history as well, I think by that time, by the time I was in third year university, they had become a bit more comfortable. And then the master's, when I was applying for my master's, that was another, like another kind of, uh, okay, let's rethink this situation. Um, but again, like you have to, if you believe in something, right? And if you're willing to put in the effort uh, to really uh, do your absolute best, right? And you can sincerely say that to yourself, um, then you know it's it's uh, it makes it easier to convince others as well, particularly through your work. And at some point, your work will start to speak for itself. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's uh, like something to keep in mind, like just food for thought for anyone yeah. going through this kind of thing. Yeah, I mean it's it's great to hear as a a daughter, as a son, or as a or as a father or a father or a mother. No, definitely. And then tell me a bit, you know, having this perspective now. What is your philosophy or objective with your work? Uh, what do you aspire to do at this point? Uh, tell us a bit more. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, um, I think one of the main purposes of studying history, um, and, and I, like I said, I started as um, using it as an external reference point from the situation that I lived in um, and, and looking at other people's lives in different times and places and seeing how did they live life and how did they try to excel and what can I learn from that? So that's part of it, right? Um, but I think a big part of it is just learning to appreciate the human experience, right? Um, and, uh, what I mean by that is that history teaches us that people are a product of their circumstances, right? And that's a key lesson I think to keep in mind. Um, when we're looking at the challenges we face in our societies today. I mean, we, we, we kind of uh, repeat phrases like history repeats itself and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, there, there's conversation about how accurate that is, but that's just an endless conversation because it's going to, you know, you could argue either way and there's strong arguments either way and there will be. But let, when you start to get a bit more specifically um, uh, into like, okay, what exactly do we mean by that, Right. And in my understanding, it's like history is um, a sort of um, subject that reminds us um, that people are a product of their circumstances. So if you want to eliminate ignorance and hate in society in any form, whether it's like misogyny or racism um, and, and, and any of these things, um, you have to, first of all, look at the trajectory of where did it come from, right? Um, and then specifically within that trajectory, you have to understand that it's a product of a certain set of circumstances. So we never hate another human being. We hate 
the circumstances that made them behave in ways that we disagree with and we think that they shouldn't be behaving that way. And so um, when we want to bring change in society, we're trying to change the circumstances and people will change themselves. So I think this is like a key kind of lesson that I'm trying to impart um, overall in all of the work that I do to show like the diversity of history. It's not a simple narrative. Um, and to show that um, the more we learn about the human experience, I think the more uh, richly this lesson will come out that, okay, we need to really stop looking at other people like another human being another person and essentializing them and saying like, oh, like, oh, they're just like that. Or like, he's just like that, right? Like they are like that for a reason and we will give them different reasons to be a different kind of person uh, based on what we learned from history. So that's what drives me forward. And that's why I'm always looking for um, examples that kind of hopefully make people think about another person's life and another person's experience and try to make it very relatable to people. Like your life, is not that different from like the, the coconut uh, farmer in Indonesia, like 700 years ago, or, or I could pick any place in the world and a person who did anything. And everyone is just trying to live a good, happy, fulfilling life. Everyone's seeking happiness in some form. And some people may go in directions that we really don't agree with. But that being said, um, that only means that we have to, again, study history, learn how those circumstances came to be and then change them in the present. So the future will be better, inshallah. It's so refreshing to not only uh, hear you say that, Hassan, but I was on your Instagram page and I saw that with baked into a lot of different uh, historical context, there was also all of a sudden this this shout for, uh, I believe it was a little girl in Calgary who needed uh, uh, stem cells and she was half Caucasian, half Filipino. And you had posted that, you know, this is a, this is a need we have in the community. And I, I, I just saw it so refreshing that I was, one second in 1850 learning about this slave who came to Ottawa and then moved to Dakota. And then there was a story here. Is that something like I can tell now that is very done with purpose? Am I right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if history does not um, inspire us to, to change, right. Uh, to change ourselves first and foremost, to, to seek out role models, to seek out uh, people we can look up to who excelled in every aspect of life. And we can try to emulate them. Um, in our own times and in our own context, then, um, then I mean, it's just a bunch of fun stories. And why would you, you know, um, there's, and, and I laugh, you know, I joke around with my friends about this. I'm like, man, there's things I'd rather be doing. Like me, right? Like there's things I'd rather be doing. History serves, studying history, sharing history, it serves a very functional purpose, right? Like it's supposed to inspire. It's supposed to um, kind of get us moving and thinking uh, in different directions than what we're used to. And uh, hopefully, like, you know, that comes out in the work that I do, um, that there's a clear link between the stories that I'm sharing um, and the kind of work that we have to do today. Beautiful. No, Hassan, I still have a few more questions for you. And then I appreciate all the time you spent with us so far. It's been absolutely a pleasure on our first podcast. Uh, what is or what is a story that you feel like uh, has inspired you the most or a person that influenced you uh, the most on your journey? Um, so th there's been many people, right? And, and this is the beauty of studying history again, that you get to uh, live like almost vicariously so many lives, right? You just so be you become so intimately familiar. Like I could, I could tell you that I'm very inspired by Ibn Battuta, right? Like the famous uh, traveler 
um, from the 14th century. And if you actually read his story in depth, not just the fact that he went to a lot of places, which I, I would love to do and I hope to do someday, inshallah. Um, but the fact that um, he, in many different situations that were extremely difficult in those travels, he uh, stuck to his principles, he stuck to his beliefs, right? He stood up for others. Um, he tried to make things better in uh, places like everywhere that he was going. So I could, you know, go from there and then obviously going back um, to the time, like I mentioned at the beginning of the, of the podcast, like seeing the Prophet وسلم, as the, uh, the prime role model, right? And then seeing the generations that were very uh, close to him within time and immediately like inspired by him and inspired by his teachings. And then uh, throughout history, people who have sort of followed that example right up until our present day. In terms of the field itself, I think it's very important to have role models, like whichever field that you're in. Um, and especially like in like if you're a Muslim, like a young Muslim professional in some field, um, I think it's helpful to seek out, uh, you know, among role models of all backgrounds and, and all faiths and people who bring all kinds of different perspectives that can inform and enhance your own experience, uh, but Muslim role models specifically within your field. So I'm very inspired by people like Dr. Abdullah Hakim Quick. Um, he was one of the first people to uh, get a PhD in history from the University of Toronto uh, and uh, complete traditional Islamic education at the University of Medina and just the style of teaching that he's had. And we're blessed to have him in our, in our community here in Toronto. Um, and he's sort of been with us and in many parts of the world as well for the past 50 years and just performing incredible service um, to, towards like teaching in a very diligent way, not in like, not like shove your throat, like shove down your throat kind of history, right? Like it's like, oh yeah, like, you know, and, and, and not like a, a history that um, kind of, you know, brings like people up and down in the sense that we're better than them or, or they, they became better than us and destroyed us and not like a confrontational kind of vision like that, but a community building vision, a, a vision that's rooted in like a shared human experience across all cultures and faiths uh, and all of these things. Dr. Abdullah Hakim Quick, uh, Dr. Afwa Cooper, um, uh, and, and she, Dr. Afwa Cooper is a professor. She's Jamaican, uh, Canadian, and Muslim, um, and she's a professor at Dalhousie University, and she's one of the um, uh, one of the leading scholars of uh, Black history in Canada and Black studies across North America. And just the amount of, um, you know, what, what the inspiration I found in her is what I mentioned earlier, like the connection between studying history and what we do and the way that she has uh, studied history and uh, used it to inform her activism and continues to do so uh, in many ways. Um, and uh, Dr. Shafiq Varani, who's a professor at the University of Toronto, uh, shout out, he's my supervisor for my thesis. I will get that done soon. <laughs> professor Varani, if you're listening to this. Um, but uh, he's, he, he was actually one of the first people I found out at undergrad, and this really inspired me. And, and, you know, even the small things that you do, um, that people are like, what's going on here? You never know what kind of impact they have on somebody else. So he was the first person in Islamic uh, studies, like, you know, uh, in academia to release a book trailer, right? So we have movie trailers, but when he released one of his books on Islamic history, I remember he came up with a trailer and my professor at York University at the time showed that to us. And I was just fascinated, not so much by the trailer itself, all due respect, Professor Virani, but um, <laughs> really by the idea, like the kind of forward thinking 
um, concept of how do we make this more accessible, right? Um, and I've, I, I have, you know, the, the good fortune of now working with him very closely and he has inspired me with so many ideas on how we can move this field forward. Maybe like a hundred years from now, the traditional professor student model won't be as efficient anymore. Um, and there will be other ways of learning. And that's why I like to explore like, you know, can we teach Islamic history uh, through video games or like virtual reality um, uh, kind of uh, projects, right? Um, through movies and documentary series and virtual tours and all of these kinds of things, especially enabled by new digital technology. Uh, and he's been a huge part of that. Um, and, and so many other people, like even Sheikh Umar Suleiman, I have to mention with Yakin Institute, um, which I work with now, right? And, and, and I work with them because of the vision of we are going to take, you know, very rigid, um, and, and kind of difficult to read and process Islamic knowledge and try to make it as accessible as possible through like infographics and animations and, um, uh, translating it into different languages and starting this whole effort that Yakin Institute does. Um, towards combating like Islamophobia and combating uh, many forms of ignorance that exist within uh, our world and within our own communities, particularly. Um, so there's many different inspirations. I'm sorry for the long-winded answer, but um, I, I hope I'm getting the idea across. Not at all. Is because when I'm struggling and we all have those moments when I'm when when like self-doubt, right? Like I have self-doubt kind of often, and I think people do in many fields. And say, like, what am I doing? What, right? Like sometimes you have that moment. That's when you remember like others who have been in this work for so long and they worked so hard to pave the way for you and you can't just let it go. Like you have to keep going. Yeah. No, thank you for that. I, and I can see somebody like yourself who has the perspective. It's You have good advice uh, in terms of how to deal with self-doubt. Now, what if you are somebody who is, you know, a young person, let's say in their, you know, mid-teens, and they have a similar spark, they have similar interests, what advice would you give to them? Maybe that's somebody with not all the resources to be able to go to a university or something like that as of right now. What are some of the things that you have learned that you would like to tell somebody who's you know on a similar path possibly and has a similar love for history? Um, I would tell them certainly to read regularly. And I know that sounds like, well, obviously, right? But um, it, it's something that we, we try, like I try, we start all the time. Sometimes we fall off and we all have these like goals on like January 1st about how many books we're going to read in the year. And then <laughs> on like December 25th or something like that, we're like, oh man, I only have five days left. Um, so reading regularly, uh, I think, um, and, and reading uh, history books in particular, and that really what opened the way. Remember I said, like, I, I used to spend many hours in the library and probably still would be doing that if there wasn't COVID, right? Um, but uh, because as you read, you become exposed to other things that you can read about. And then you, it just becomes like a cycle of cumulative um, knowledge building, right? The other thing I would advise is, so keep reading as like a baseline. Like, you should be doing that. There are so many books on Islamic history, um, on, on even on like subtopics of Islamic history that you could just go on and on. Um, another thing I would uh, really advise is to uh, seek advice, right? To not not uh, sort of work in isolation and not try to move forward in isolation. Like not all advice that you receive from others will be helpful, and not all advice uh, is something that you will necessarily agree with. 
Um, but it's just always a good habit to have to when you're initiating maybe a new project or you're trying to head in a different direction, like try to think of all of the relevant people you know um, personally, uh, try to find online, like people like myself, you can reach out to me on social media uh, and that sort of thing. And there's many others. Um, and sometimes you would be surprised, like you might think that um, like, like I will respond, inshallah, right? But even I've had these moments where reaching out to like, senior professors and, and you kind of have that oh should i really email this person like why would they you know bother but but they they come back and they give you like very detailed feedback and a lot of you know very helpful advice and these things so um don't uh neglect like those opportunities um to seek advice and really there's so many different avenues that a person could take in this field that i think i'll limit my my specific advice to to those two things i've never stopped seeking advice from from others who are in the field um and others who are you know doing work that's um even remotely uh related to what you're doing and and seeing the kind of work that others are doing and build those connections and then definitely keep reading and keep expanding uh, your horizons and make connections right like what does um again right like somebody in uh, Fiji, like a, a Muslim in Fiji have to do with like the history of Islam in Canada, right? Like think a bit creatively. Oftentimes we have this thing, it's like, well, history is what it is. Like, how can I think creatively? But it's all about piecing things together and, and bringing together like that, you know, you can write the same story in many different ways and get many different lessons and many benefits out of it. Um, and even if it's a story that you think has already been done to death and it's been written about by everyone, there's still something there that you know, is left to be written and maybe that's for you. I'm uh, so uh, inspired by your desire and your curiosity to keep learning. And that's what you seem to implore to everybody is learn from books. And if that's, you know, on top of that, learn from mentors and then find greater mentors, move, learn from different cultures. And it seems to be around learning, not so much about what's right or wrong. It's like keep exposing yourself and, you know, use your guidance to figure out. I wanted to, I'm going to give you some time for the next one, because this whole time, the last, uh, well, as long as we've been speaking, I know it's, it kind of flies when, when you're having such engaging conversations. You've given a lot of advice. Our last question is always a big one. We want to give you a second to try to like form it all together. And what is the most important thing you've learned in your life? And I know that's a big question, uh, especially with all the advice you've given us. But what would you say to sum it up if you were to give us like a solid two minutes of what is the greatest thing you've learned? Or it takes a little bit longer. Obviously, that's OK. We'd love to kind of end off with that. Uh, what is the most important thing you've learned in your journeys? Um, I think the most important thing uh, that I've learned, and again, like you mentioned, it's, it's a big question, right? Um, but the most important thing uh, is probably the need to be sincere, right? And sincerity is a word that's not very well defined uh although it's used quite often but it's not often very clear but i always think back to one particular quote of uh malcolm x right um in which he said something to the effect of you know i want to be remembered as someone who was sincere um even when i was wrong i was working with sincerity right um and and that's the thing i think in my field and many other fields like we may make mistakes we may misinterpret history um, we may uh, have blind spots that we're not aware of. Like it's always a work in progress. And history is this enormous subject, right? And again, we're trying to draw on so many different times and places. In, in my particular work as a public historian, trying to make history more accessible, 
uh, and not necessarily producing original research, but just repackaging content that's already uh, been based on existing research. Um, so there's going to be challenges. A lot of it's uncharted territory. Um, and uh, I'm not sure about uh, all of the places that my work could lead to, right? Um, and, and many great places. Um, and it might help uh, people in many ways. And it may also lead to places, um, and as we've seen in the past, like history has been abused um, and it continues to be abused around the world today in many parts of the world today. Um, but the important thing is to ask yourself uh, regularly, I think, um, am I being sincere? Like, am I sincere about this, right? And I think from sincerity, you get diligence, right? When you are a sincere person, that's when you will become more thoughtful. That's when you will become more diligent. That when you'll start have more like self-introspection, right? Um, and those things are really the keys to success. Uh, I believe in, in any line of work, regardless of what it is. Um, so I try to ask myself uh, every day, like, am I, um, you know, am I doing this for the same reason that I started doing it on day one when there wasn't, uh, you know, thousands of Instagram followers or like people reading your blog or something like what initially made you get into this when there was no tangible benefit immediately available to you, right? Um, and, and make sure that that initial intention remain of sincerity remains like kind of intact. And then from that, you'll get your due diligence. And then from that, you can move forward, uh, hopefully in a very beneficial way for yourself uh, and for others as well. MashaAllah. Hassan Munir, the professor of Islamic history, public historian. Hassan, thank you so much for, for coming on today. Uh, I know that I'm fortunate to have you on Instagram, but where can people follow you? Where can they, they go and find your work? Um, yeah, so definitely uh, on Instagram. So my Instagram is uh, hassam.history. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter where I post less about history, uh, I guess. Uh, depends, um, but it's uh, at hassam m underscore. Um, and uh, on my blog. So my blog has been um, like, uh, you know, my, my project, right? The love of my life <laughs> for the past uh, like I think seven years now and alhamdulillah uh, and it's been on and off and, and you sometimes go to the blog and it's like man seven years and this guy only has like this many articles up right so there's been times when I just didn't post for like months and then like sometimes I post three articles in a day like it's, it's a work in progress but um, uh, I think um, you'll find like a lot of interesting starting points like especially if you're somebody out there and you're like yeah Islamic history like I'm not sure where to start Right. Like, I'm not even sure, like, we don't know what we don't know kind of situation. Um, so I think my blog, if you just kind of browse through it, you can find like a lot of interesting starting points for for further, um, you know, your, your, your knowledge journey within the field of Islamic history. So the blog is iHistory and you can find it at www.ihistory.co. And I'm sorry to Apple for taking the iPhone kind of name and just making it iHistory. Like I said, I was trying to be very clickbaity back in the day, right? Um, and uh, and .co, don't put .com because I don't even know what that's going to take you to. Um, yeah. But yeah, hopefully all those resources are helpful. But definitely, like even personally, uh, please don't like sorry, please don't hesitate to get in touch, right? Like send me a message on Instagram or something like that, and I will do my best to reply, like regardless of what your question is. 
And I, I will say this is uh, I'm really happy people like you exist. I honestly am. Uh, we do our best to learn from every resource that we can, but you make it so easy. So I would, I would recommend to anybody who is interested, definitely go on the blog, go to the Instagram page and uh, the resources are out there and they're very engaging. So thank you so much. Once again, Sam, I know you weren't feeling the bestest today, but you still powered through it. Uh, until next time. Assalamualaikum. Thank <laughs> you.